are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, we had planned this series some time ago, and um, I'm going to do something next week that I'm not planned to do. I'll resume the series, and what I plan to do the following Sunday will all be fine. But uh, there's a special message that I want you to hear next Sunday morning, so I, I hope you can be here. Um, I feel very strongly about it, and if you've planned to be out of town, I hate to ask you, but you're going to have to change those plans and just be here. Um, I feel like it's the right thing for us to do, to kind of take a pause where we are and, and do this. Then I'll come back and I'll resume. We'll all be good. We'll finish the series. We're talking about values in this series, and I've given you this definition a handful of times, but here we go again. When we talk about values, um, we talk about a person's or society's beliefs about what things are important. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering right now what you believe is important. Uh, you've got a list. You've decided in your mind these things are important in my life. These are the things that I value. And if you're sitting there saying, I don't know, Rick, this is kind of hard. If I start, you know, making a list of what things are really important to me, not for sure, you know, how to form that list. Let me just help you, okay? Let me give you the next slide. Here's, here's what you do. Um, we invest our time and our energy in what's important to us. So all you got to do is just go back and look at last week and say, how did I spend my time and my energy and my resources and I can just promise you, those are the things that are important to you. Because we spend our time and our energy on things that are important to us. So, if you say to me, Rick, you know what's really important to me? This idea that we talk about here a lot of helping people come to know Jesus. That's really, that's really important to me. And so I might ask you, so tell me, over the last month or so, how have you spent your time and your energy and your resources Helping people come to know Jesus. And if your response is, well, in the last month, I really haven't done anything in that regard. Well, are you at least praying for people to come to know Jesus? No, I haven't really been praying for that either. Then I'm just going to challenge you and say, I don't believe that's important to you. You may believe that it should be important to you, but it's not. Because you're going to spend your time and you're going to spend your energy and you're going to spend your resources on what's important to you. So, as I think about being a Christian, what, what are good Christian values? And, and how do my values as a believer look different than the values of a person who does not profess to be a believer? Okay? So we've talked about Christian values for a few weeks. We would say... Time with God, that's, that's really important stuff, right? What we're doing right now, worshiping together, we would say, this is important. Now, if you tell me that worshiping together is important to you, I'm going to believe you. Because that's how you're spending your energy right now and your time. You're saying, nope, Sunday morning, we worship together, so that's why we're here. We do this weekly. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus would tell you, I did it every week too. Every week, I did this worshiping together thing. Also, you know, when we talk about time with God, we talk about another practice, and that's one-on-one time with God. And Jesus would tell you, when I was on earth, I slept away in the mornings to pray because I believed that one-on-one time with God was really important. 
We also talk about time with one another. We believe that spending time with other believers is really important. And we talk about a practice called group life. We believe God transforms us as we spend time with one another in group life. Today we're going to talk about time with others. What do you mean others? I mean people who are not yet followers of Jesus. People who do not profess to be Christian or people who would consider themselves irreligious. And then we're going to talk about living generously in a couple of weeks. So Jesus valued time with others. Rick Harvey, how do you know what Jesus valued? Because Jesus spent his time with irreligious people. And we spend our time and energy on what is important to us. So Jesus kind of just lived like this with his open arms, you know. Jesus just lived his life saying, let's hang out. Go with me. I mean, there's these stories in the Bible of where people would come up and ask Jesus questions and he would say, well, come and see. And he spent the whole day with them. I mean, Jesus just lived his life with these open arms. Just come on and spend time with me. And it didn't matter if you were religious or if you were irreligious. Jesus just said, spend time with me. And so there's this awesome story in the Gospel of Luke where we have been for this series and we will be. And I'm going to ask you a question. So there is a quiz and it's happening right now. You ready? Uh, how many of you have been here for like either last Sunday or the Sunday before? The, la the last two Sundays we've been in the series. You've been here for at least once. Raise your hand. So lots of you, all of you are participating in the quiz. If you weren't here the last two Sundays, I, I, won't, I won't expect this of you because you weren't here to hear it. But here's the question. Don't answer me till I count to three, okay? Where did Matthew get his material to write his gospel? Now think hard about it. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, you just shout it out. Okay, where did Matthew get his material to write his gospel? One, two, three. Oh, that was just aggressive and strong. and <laughs> That was kind of pitiful, I'll be honest with you. But I heard some of you say it. His own investigation, eyewitnesses. Matthew, uh, Luke rather says, here's what I did. I, I went to living eyewitnesses. People who knew Jesus, saw Him do miracles, heard Him teach, was at the crucifixion, met Him after the resurrection. He said, I wanted to be certain. And so I just went and interviewed eyewitnesses because I wanted to be certain. Matthew, Luke rather, I don't know why I keep saying Matthew. Luke is so detailed. He's just so given to detail. And he, I just got to know for myself. I don't want a second-hand story. And so, here we are in chapter 5. Let's go to the Word of God, okay? Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 27. This is the story. Luke, Luke. Okay, here's the deal. I'm just going to tell you what's up. It's about Levi. Levi's other name, of course, is Matthew. So, we're talking about Matthew today, okay? But we're in Luke's gospel. And I can't get my head straight. So maybe with all of that said, I'll do better. Okay, so after this, after what? Well, after Jesus begins His public ministry, He begins to heal people. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Now we know He's also called Matthew. Sitting 
at his tax collector's booth. Now, what's a tax collector? One of the most hated people in all of Palestine. He's a traitor. You remember Israel is living under the rule of the Romans. And the Romans say, since you're under our rule, we're going to force you to pay taxes. And then we're going to employ some of you to collect the taxes. Can you imagine how people would feel about this fellow Israeli who is now working for the other team, the traitor? He works for the state of Rome, of all people, the people who are pressing us, making our lives hard, overtaxing us. And now he's aligned himself with them. Did you know that Matthew was never invited to weekend worship? Do you know why? Because he wasn't allowed to go in the synagogue. It's not only that he was invited, he wasn't allowed to come in. I mean, there were people at the door saying, you can't come in. And so here is this Matthew. He was classed with murderers and robbers. And so after this, Jesus went out, saw a tax collector... Every time you see the word tax collector in the New Testament, it's followed by another word, and sinners. Tax collector and sinners, okay? Tax collector by the name of Levi, sitting in his tax booth. Jesus, of all people, says to, of all people, this man Matthew, hey Matthew, Levi, why don't you just come and follow me? Just go with me. I mean, just think about this. And Levi left everything, and he followed him. I I, I try to get this in my head, you know. I just try to understand what this must have been like. Jesus walks up, you know, to this person that everybody else despised with a big smile on his face, and he goes, Hey, buddy, (laughs) what's going on? You want to go with me? If you go with me, maybe everything will just be better. Why don't you just get up and come with me? And you've got to imagine that Levi's sitting here looking at him like, Is this really happening? This is a rabbi. They don't speak to me. And and he looks around and he just he just gets up and he leaves it all and he just falls into Jesus' arms and he just walks away with him. So then Levi, he held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. I want to introduce my friends to him. Okay? And so a large crowd of tax collectors and others You know who those others are? He's going to tell you in just a minute, but they were sinners, okay? We're eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had belonged to their sect complained to His disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and, say it with me, sinners? And here's what Jesus responds with. You want to read it with me? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Wow. He was a different kind of rabbi. A different kind of leader. There's been nobody quite like Jesus ever since and never will be. You know, I have this this phone that I got just not too long ago. And, and there's, there's a feature that I like on it because uh, I've always disliked having to type in a code to unlock my phone. Do you know what I mean? You, know, you pick a phone and boom, 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 or you do the lines or whatever. This phone has facial recognition. Yeah, so all you do is just, you just look at it and boom, it's on. 
it recognizes my face. So you may have that on your phone. I know it's not the brand new technology, but it's, it's great. So sometimes I'll pick up Annette's phone. Hey, let me borrow your phone. And, and I'll look at it. And open, it doesn't open. I have to type in her code because otherwise it won't open. So the other morning I got up. And you know how bad you can look when you get up in the morning? I got up and I looked at my phone and I do it and it won't open. It's like my phone is saying, you look so bad I don't even know who you are. I mean, when your phone doesn't recognize you, you look bad, right? So I think we all kind of have this sense of, you know, I know who I am. My phone even knows who I am. I mean, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm like. This is, this is how I roll. This is how I live. This is, these are the people I hang out with. This is kind of my crowd, you know? I think we all kind of live with this sense of identity, uh, tell us about yourself. Well, I think we could just start talking about ourselves really easily. Well, this is kind of what I'm like, and these are my friends that I hang out with, and this is how I roll, and this is how I live, and this is kind of my life. We all kind of have this sense. In the very next section, though, of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about something new. It's... It's supporting this conversation that he has throughout his ministry about this new world or this new age or this new kingdom or this new order or this new covenant. And it's not like the old. God is doing something new, Jesus says. And in the very next section, after this whole encounter with Matthew, Jesus talks about, you know, how that you don't put... um, new wine in old wineskins because if you did, when the wine begins to ferment, ferment the, uh, the, the old skins would just burst and you'd lose the wine. And you know what he's saying? In the new world, things are different. In the old world, you don't talk to tax collectors and sinners. As you understand the old world, but maybe not in God's heart, you shun them. In the old world, there's two categories of people. There are those that are in and those that are out. They're out, we're in. Too bad for them. And Jesus says you can't really mix the two. You've got to let go of the old and you've got to embrace the new. Because in this new world, we hang out with tax collectors and sinners. Do you remember back in chapter 4 when Jesus describes His mission? I mean, this is such a crucial few verses. He gives us His mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to do what? Proclaim good news to the poor. There wasn't any good news for the poor in Jesus' day. He goes, oh no, there's good news. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. There's good news for prisoners, yes, and recovery of sight for the blind. And you feel like as He talks about this, to set the oppressed free... He's not talking just literally but figuratively. People who are also oppressed and imprisoned and blind in other ways. And so what Jesus then does is He begins to live out this mission. It's awesome because what happens immediately is He starts healing people. All right? There's a guy with leprosy in that very next section and Jesus says, What do you want? He goes, I want to be, I want to be well. And Jesus touches him. But Jesus doesn't get leprosy. In fact, the opposite happens. The other guy gets well. 
And then there's a guy who's paralyzed and Jesus heals him. The Bible says Jesus heals many and he drives out demons. And then after that, he moves to this other category of oppression and prison. And it's the social outcast. It's the sinful people. It's the tax collector. And Jesus begins to go to them in love and compassion and relationship. See, when I think about Jesus and, and the way that, that He lived His life to these people, um, it moves me because we are tempted to only spend time with people like us. So I've been thinking hard. I don't do that but about once a month. (laughs) And I've been wondering why We only spend time with people like us. And I wonder if maybe I found an answer. Here's what I wonder. Do you and I really believe? Are we really convinced that the kingdom belongs to people who aren't like us also? You know? Do we really believe with all of our hearts? Are we convinced that the kingdom of God belongs to people who are not like us? Annette and I were in a Target not too long ago. And um, she had something she wanted to return and so we walk we walk in and there's there's the desk and there's a there's a guy standing there, uh, kind of leaning up against the desk on the outside, not inside, which seemed odd. And he's wearing red shirt, khaki pants. He's looking at his phone. Looks like there's a bag in his hand. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking maybe he's gotten off work, or I, I'm not sure. But Annette just says, I'll just ask him. And she goes over and she says, can I return this here? Because there was nobody behind the counter. And the guy standing there on his phone with a red shirt, khaki pants, looks up at Annette and says, I don't work here. Well, forgive us. Might I suggest that you not wear a red shirt and khaki pants the next time you come to Target because somebody <laughs> might assume that you actually have a job here, you know? Annette just looks at me and goes, It was kind of like he was saying, don't associate me with a Target employee. It, it was really where the Pharisees lived. You, you have to give them a break in a sense because culturally in the ancient world to sit at a table and eat and drink with someone would communicate acceptance. So they've got their, their cultural traditions. They've even got their religious traditions. And the thing that I love about Jesus is that he said, I can't let these traditions stop me from hanging around people who are irreligious. 
Nothing's going to stop me from hanging around people who are irreligious. This, this is the heart of Jesus. And so here, here Levi, you know, he, he leaves his vocation, his, his ability to skim off some good money because tax collectors were great extortionists. You owe this much, we're going to charge you this much, and we're going to keep the difference for ourselves. He leaves all of that. He follows Jesus. The first thing that he does is he throws a party and invites all of his friends. Well, who are Levi's friends? More tax collectors and sinners. Do you know why? Because religious people didn't hang out with sinners. Or or is it religious people don't hang out with sinners? So you're religious, I'm religious. How are we doing at hanging out with people who are irreligious? See, here's the deal. If we, you and me, if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to spend time with irreligious people. If, if your goal is truly to be a disciple of Jesus, if you really want to become more like Jesus, if you want to live like Jesus, if you want to act like Jesus, then you and I, we've got to spend time with people who are irreligious. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus just goes to people who are separated from God and He doesn't shun them. That's the people that He goes to. Let me just give you a series of verses in the Gospel of Luke. Can I do that? Here we go. There was this woman in that town who lived a sinful life. You with me so far? Okay. She learned that Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house. So here's this sinful woman. She hears about Jesus. She hears that He's eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, okay, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Does this just feel a little inappropriate to you in any way? This woman's sinful. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is. Because we know what kind of woman she is, right? That she is a sinner. Not Jesus. He says, everybody. Everybody's welcome. This is a simple woman. I I would hang out with you. Jesus sat down and talked to a Samaritan woman one day. Let me show you another verse, okay? Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, Simon, you're going to fish for people. That's the business we're in. We're all about people. I'll keep going with you for a few verses here. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers refuse. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. What should we pray about, Jesus? Well, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. In the same way, I tell you, after this story about lost sheep and lost coin and lost son, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Listen to the last one. This is Jesus. For the Son of Man, talking about Himself, I came to seek and save the lost. 
Now, are you not at all confused as to why Jesus hung out with people who were irreligious? Because that's what his life is about. So a couple of weeks ago, I went with a handful of people who pray together uh, to a local care center uh, to visit a family and a 20-year-old girl who four years ago was in a car accident and suffered a severe brain injury. She was 16 years old when it happened. Did you know that since that time she has not spoken or really responded in any way? When I walked in the room, she's laying there in the bed where she has laid for four years. She turned her head and she looked at me. But that was it. That's all. There's nothing else. She doesn't do anything else. Not capable of anything else. No communication. Nothing. 24 hours a day for four years, she has laid in that bed. You can't imagine the load her parents have carried. I think most of us, when we experience something like that, we, we begin to feel compassion. We think, what would that be like if that was my Brittany, or if that was my Morgan, or you say, if that was your grandkid, or if that was your sister or brother? I watched a video after I left the room, after we prayed with her. I watched a video of her at 16 years old. She was just this cute little, full-of-life, blonde-headed teenage girl who loved missions trips, had gone on several by the age she was 16. Boy, my heart just broke. Hey, um, why do you guys, uh, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, because it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. It's the hurting. And somehow this week, Jesus spoke to me. He said, remember what you felt when you saw that girl laying in that bed? Yeah. That's what I wish you felt when you saw irreligious people. Because that's how Jesus sees them. Jesus compares them to sick, hurting people who need to be cared for and loved and find healing. So I think it's too easy for us to look at people who are irreligious and say, <laughs> what are they doing with their lives? Jesus would say, yeah, I don't get that. I don't see people that way. When I see a person who is irreligious, I kind of see them like I see that girl laying in that hospital bed. And my heart just oozes with compassion for them. And I want to see them find healing. <laughs> it's almost comical when you think about it, you know. You got this guy, his name's Matthew. Everybody hates him. He's a tax collector. 
he's got to be kind of callous now at all the, you know, hate that he feels coming toward him. He's doing his job. He's sitting at the tax collector's booth. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. Maybe he'd heard about him before. I don't know. But he's a rabbi, and everybody knows he's a rabbi. And rabbis just don't speak to tax collectors. Religious people don't. And Jesus stands in front of him, and Matthew looks up, and there's Jesus with a big smile on his face, and he says, Hey, buddy, what's up? And Matthew's processing because this just don't happen. What is this happening? And Jesus says, You know, if you just went with me, everything might be better. Do you want to go with me? And in that moment, Matthew just gets up and walks away from all of it and falls into the arms of Jesus. And he goes with him. Wow. So I don't know. I think this morning I'm feeling a lot. I'm feeling like this should be more important to me. Anybody else in the room saying this should be more important to me? You know. And you live in this tension of feeling torn because all around me are these Christian people and they're easy to talk to and easy to have friendships with. And to have friendships with people who aren't Christian, that takes a lot of intentionality. And Jesus would probably say, you telling me? (laughs) I know. It required a lot of intentionality on my part too. And you know, there's this image thing. What do people think when they see me? Jesus said, yeah, I kind of let that go. I kind of just broke away from those traditions. But I think there's many people in the room that says, deep, deep, deep down in my spirit, Rick Harvey, I want to be like Jesus. And so in a moment, we're going to we're going to stand. We're going to sing together. I've got a little card, though, I want to talk to you about before we do. You, you received it when you came in. It looks like this. You might want to grab those now if you've got something you want to say to us. You can tear off the bottom portion, and on the front you write your name and information that we can connect with you if you need us to connect with you. I always love to say this. You praying about something? This week I got to pray with some folks, and I got to write some notes to the folks, some folks saying, hey, I prayed for you this week about this and if you want us to pray with you you can write your prayer request on here there's a place for that we talked last week about group life if you want to get in a group you can check a box if you want to serve there's a place for that I kind of wondered this week if you wanted to say would the pastors pray with me about somebody that I know who is irreligious who doesn't know Jesus And so if you just want to say, I'm praying for a first name or a sister or a brother, if you want to be descriptive instead of a name, to come to know Jesus. Would it be kind of nice if some other people joined you in that prayer? We'd be happy to. So just write your note to us. We'll join you in prayer. Whatever else you want to say on here, you can. And as we sing this morning... Uh, I would love it, love it, love it if you felt a sense of openness that I could just come down and pray. 
What do you mean? I mean pray about what God's been saying to you in the last 30 minutes. Or maybe there's other things that's going on in your life today and you want to pray about that. Maybe as a family you're going through some stuff and you want to pray. Maybe you want to be prayed for for healing. You know, we'll have some pastors come. Lou is over here. You'll come, won't you, Lou? And there'll be somebody over here to pray for you. If you want to be prayed for, there'll be a pastor standing. Just go to them and they'll, they'll pray for you. Let's stand together. But let us pray with you this week. And drop these in the Connect boxes or at the Welcome Center as you leave this morning. And we will get a hold of these and we will pray with you this week, okay? Let's sing together. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.